I think we have got the being with idea. It comes back to me time and time again in conversations around the congregation. And I'm delighted that uh, eight or nine weeks into this being with, we have got the being with, and maybe even have discovered those words being with in all kinds of places. When I wake up, I am with you, was just read out of Psalm 139. It's amazing how many times and places that we find ourselves being with God. It got a little bit out of hand, though, on Thursday night, because we were meeting as a session, and um, uh, Daisy Chain Inc. were coming to make a presentation to us. Now, Daisy Chain Inc. are an interesting bunch of people. Um, they, uh, they're eccentric, and um, certainly beard growth. Um, uh, the two that were in the house had more beard growth than the entire congregation uh, today, um, by a, a large margin. Um, and uh, they came to us through Philip Rankin, who's been doing all kinds of sterling work on Donegal Pass for us for a number of years. But it so happens, <coughs> excuse me, that I married one of the beards, that I spoke at the wedding of one of the other beards, and Gemma, who doesn't have a beard, her husband was usher at our wedding. So I've known these folk for a very long time. And at no stage of my knowing them or being their friend and the space in between would I have ever given it the first thought or idea that you should bring them into a Presbyterian session to come up with any imagination. But that's how it works. Anyhow, Johnny puts a sheet on their... slide on the PowerPoint that has four ways we can approach Donegal Pass on it. Doing nothing, doing two Donegal Pass, doing four Donegal Pass, or what he said was the way forward, doing with Donegal Pass. It's not even appearing within our spiritual realms, but in people coming in to give us advice on how we might use buildings, the word with is vitally important in anything that seems to be happening in our world. So over the last number of weeks, we've been with our neighbors, we've been with the troubles, we've been with our enemies, we've been with Uganda, we've been with creation, we've been with war and peace, we have been with each other. And this morning, almost the last in the series, because we now go into Advent next week, when we will be thinking, no doubt, about Emmanuel, God with us. The last in the series is such, I wanted us to come back to self. Get ourselves into that Nine Inch Nail song as covered by Johnny Cash, Lucinda Williams, and now our worship band. Who have we become? Who are we? How is it when you're just with yourself? Because when you're just with yourself, Psalm 139 tells us very clearly, we are not just with ourselves. We are with God. used to find it always very humorous when it doesn't happen in the modern day, funny enough, and you can work that out for yourself. But I would be with people and somebody would tell and bad joke or somebody might say a swear word and they would look at me and they would say to the group well don't forget there's a minister here as if in the other times when I'm not in the room 
God wouldn't be with them. When we're with ourselves, it's more than being with ourselves. Because as Psalm 139 tells us, when we're on our own, God is in the room. God is searching us. God is loving us. God is giving us resilience. God is seeking the way everlasting with us. So I think I said last week, but while I was in the States, there was two words that were just coming out of every time I spoke to any group, whether that was a formal group or an informal group. I didn't intend it before I left, but on the very first Saturday night in Delaware, Ohio, when the band sang the very first song, which I had suggested they might sing, but hadn't thought anything more than that, the head and the hearts, let's be still, those words be still came to my mind. And they were in everything and every talk that I gave for the rest of that week. Be still. And then during that trip in Calvin College, I met a girl called Gracie. And Gracie will be here in January. You will get the chance to meet Gracie and the other Calvin students that are coming as they did last year to spend a couple of weeks here in Fitzroy and around Northern Ireland. In conversation with Gracie, she said, you might know my stepdad. His name is Jerry, uh, Jeremy Casella. He works in Nashville. And I went, oh, we've shared the Ryman Theatre together. Um, you maybe didn't know that I've performed at the Ryman Theatre. Well, I didn't really. Matthew Fitch did a quick Skype of me and we sent it off to uh, um, Andrew Peterson. And Andrew put it up as an introduction to one of the songs on a tribute to Rich Mullins. Jeremy was in the band. But I didn't really know Jeremy. We were Facebook friends, but Gracie got us in touch. And Jeremy, and then Gracie said, my, my stepdad is an album that's about to land. And so I thought, oh, I'm into that. I'll have a listen to that. So Jeremy sent it. I put it on. And my soul gave a wee gasp when the first words on this album, released on Friday, were, you better believe it, be still. I don't think it's just pastoral to be still. Although today that's where I'm concentrating. I think these words be still may be prophetically edged words into a society that is struggling to work out when they are still how to be still. And as I said to Brent on the way in, hypocrite, hypocrite alert, hypocrite alert right there. Be still. And know that I am God. Is what the psalmist says when the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. Everything around us is uncertain. Whether that's political or social. Or whether that's personal as we've already prayed about at the start of our service. Whether that's just the schedule we have or the diary that's jammed. Or the work that we do or the work and the leisure that we do or whatever else. I am aware that four of the first eight rows in Fitzroy are empty. And I imagine that's just a crisis of diary and exhaustion and stress. At least when I have worried that it was my preaching, most of you have said it isn't. But in the last three years, the number of us that can come to church on a Sunday morning has dropped off a cliff. Because we can't 
in the madness of our world. Be still. At least not with each other. Of course, we might be able to do it on our own, and I have said God's with us. But I think one of the things this series has taught us is the importance of being with one another too. So when we're still, and it's just us, just me, and I start to be still in that Sam-like way. I've quoted Tozer before, A.W. Tozer. Who quotes A.W. Tozer anymore? I'm not sure. But when we're still, or when I'm still, and I'm still to know that God is God, Tozer's words come back. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. So when we're still, we're thinking about who God is, but what we're thinking about who God is, is the most important thing about who we are. And I don't want to get into this too much this morning, but the God that you think about at that point may need some healing as well. Because it may be that we've got an opinion of God that's wrong. He may be overjudgmental and legalistic and theological and sectarian. And he may be a God that when we're still with him, we're actually frightened to be in his presence. In fact, we don't want to be in his presence because we feel guilty constantly in his presence or we feel low esteem constantly in his presence. And if that's the God that we find ourselves being with, then perhaps we need to be still for longer or go back to Paul's true north or begin to open the scripture to find out who the God that asks us to be still in Psalm 46 is, a God who's wanting to be with us in the midst of everything falling apart around us, or the God of 139 that Philip has just read to us is. We need to be still. And when we're still, and we're with ourselves, and we become aware that God's with us, then it would be good to remember or to seek in that stillness. Who are we? In the light of God, who are we? In the light of Psalm 139, who are we? In the light of True North, who are we? In the light of the Scriptures, who are we? In the light of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do, who are we? What are we about? What is God about will help us to know what we're about. Why did he create us? What was his purpose? Why did he come to earth? What was his purpose? How did he show himself to us? What was his ultimate aim? Being still with ourselves should allow us to begin to ask, who are we as human beings? And who am I as Steve Stock? Who are you as? Who are you? How do we set the compass? I would love to think pastorally that we would find ourselves Loved, redeemed, and recreated. But of course there's all kinds of things crashing in around us. Brags at stormant backstops, border poles, anxiety, grief. We don't know where to go next. We don't know what we're doing. The possibility of wealth. We need in the middle of all the stuff going on to ask questions of ourselves in the light of God. I used to, when I was speaking to a younger grouping than yourselves, 
No, some of you are as young as the ones I was speaking to, but uh, I used to use when it was trendy a uh, Delamitri. Oh, that's nearly as old as A.W. Tozer, but uh, uh, a, a song of theirs that said, Look into the mirror. Do you recognize someone? Is it who you always hoped that you'd become when you were young? Be with yourself. Ask yourself questions. Is this who I wanted to be? Is this who I'd like to be? Is this who God wants me to be? Or as we sang, what have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end, and you can have it all, my empire of dirt, and I will let you down, I will make you hurt. Who are we? Who is God, and who are we, and how do we find it being with ourselves? I've said that um, Sam Wells started this series out, but I haven't really followed Sam Wells into the different uh, sermons that I've done. But I find this one a particularly challenging sermon, as perhaps you've caught on already. And I, I moved back into some Sam Wells thinking last night. He talks about the parable of the rich fool, and he opens it up beautifully. That parable of the rich fool who uh, lived in this farm that was being overabundant, it didn't seem the rich fool was doing anything particularly to it. It just seemed that he got up in the morning, there was potatoes, there was milk in the cows, there was beef in the cows, there was sheep in the hills, and there's just so much abundance, he doesn't know what to do with it. And, and as Sam Wells reads the story, he says, all this stuff's happened around him, and he's become incredibly wealthy, but he has nobody to guide himself. He asks himself, what am I going to do with this? He asks himself, what's an answer to it? And he concludes himself, I tell you what I will do, because he has only himself to ask, I'll big, build bigger barns to put it all in, and I'll eat, drink, and be merry, because there's not really much more meaning in that, because his wealth had caused him to lose himself. And how he lost himself and his wealth and the abundance around him was that he lost his dependence on others and his neighbor and his dependence on God as well. He ends up with bigger barns, but without God, companions, or eternity. He tries to insulate himself from death and all that's around him by his wealth. Maybe the rich young ruler, you still lack one thing, brings that to our minds as well. What are the things that we try to put in the way? Maybe between us and God because we have that guilt before God. Maybe because us, before us and God because we don't really want God to cause that repentance or that change or that transformation or that new creation. What are the things we put in the way? Is it our busyness? Is it um, our wealth? Is it the causes that we fight for or we're involved in? Is it our leisure activities and how we need to do that? What are the things that like the rich young ruler or the rich fool cause us to lose who we are in the midst of insulating ourselves against. Psalm 63. On my bed I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night. The psalmist being still. To meditate on who God is and discover who he is. Or she is. Psalm 139. We're known. We're wonderfully made. God is always with us. And God loved us 
and loves us. If I could quote the late Stanley McDowell, he said, near the end of his life, as all of you were coming to visit, I probably said it before that, but he says, nobody does what they don't want to do. God doesn't do what he doesn't want to do. God didn't say, oh, maybe I should go and make it look as if I'm this kind of God and go and love them. God knows us. God made us. And it was God's passion and desire to come and to find us because God loves me. That's crazy stuff. So he didn't build bigger barns. He didn't become independent. He wanted to be dependent, bizarrely on us, to have interaction, to have friendship and companionship, to have community. So this morning, it's maybe the homework for the week ahead. Let's find a space. Let's be still. And let's listen to the stillness. Let's hear ourselves uncertain maybe, unsure before God. And then let's hear God overcoming all that with a deep-seated love and compassion and empathy and knowing. And then when we've got to understand and trust that God is for us as well as with us, maybe we could say, search my heart, O Lord. Get to know those anxious and wrong ways within me. And lead me on the road everlasting. Being with ourselves is always being with God. And the prophetic words into our world, into your life and mine, are those vital words, challenging words, inspiring words, life-changing words. Be still. And know that I am God. Let's be still for a moment. Let's allow our eyes to fall shut. With your eyes shut, find yourself in a a little cottage, but you're caught in a room and the windows are closed. They're those old wooden windows. You've closed them off against the cold. And you're in a room that's dark and you're just there on your own. For a moment, sit in the stillness. In that room, in the stillness, what's in your mind? What are you wrestling with?
What are your questions? What are the anxieties? I want you to get up and reach over to the window and you're pulling two window doors open. And as you pull them open, suddenly in front of you is that vista of your very favorite place on earth. A scene that you would love to go back to right now because this service has lasted too long and you would love to be out looking at that scene that you most love in the world. For a moment, I want you to just be still and know that God made that scene. That that scene in front of you is who God is. Creator and sustainer. And maybe in the quiet, as you look out that window, you could praise him for a second or two. Then I want you to move to the door and just step outside the door and walk towards the scene that you've been in. It's a little scary for me because I'm in a safari park in Africa, but you know what I'm saying. And as you move forward, you find that there was somebody standing alongside the door who's now walking with you. And Jesus is alongside you as you walk into that scene. The two of you are walking right through the beauty of it. How does it feel to be beside Jesus? Feel easy or uneasy? What is he saying to you and what might you be saying to him? Jesus turns and says he has to leave you and you're left. Walking back up to that little cottage on your own, how do you feel now? Our God, you're always with us, Emmanuel. By your Spirit, you're with us in the dark room when we're on our own wrestling with all of life. 
And yes, maybe it's easier to see you in the wonderful creation around us and to praise you for that, but you always want to be walking with us. Lord, we pray that we would take away maybe just the thoughts we've had in these last couple of moments into the week ahead and continue to find places where we can be with ourselves and you, storing up the spiritual energy to be with the world around us. Lord, give us time. Teach us to be still. And may we always know that you are God. And that makes everything about us different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.